Join Greenbook at the 2024 Insight Innovation Exchange Conference Series. IIEX is your global hub for connections, inspiration, and innovative solutions in market research. Visit greenbook.org events to learn more about events in Asia, the Americas, and Europe. Use the code PODCAST for 20% off general admission on all upcoming events. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Green Book Podcast. I'm happy to be hosting today. It's Karen Lynch, and I have the privilege of interviewing one of our Future List honorees from the 2023 Green Book Future List honoree list. Today's episode will be featuring Nathania Christie, who will happily be going by her nickname today, Nia. Nia is a lead at Quantum, and she's specializing in their consumer trends practice. She has six years of experience applying consumer insights, driving innovation. So we love to talk about trends. We love to talk about innovation. I'm going to officially welcome her and ask her to tell you all a little bit more about her current role. Nia, thank you for being here. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. It's a really great opportunity to be here. Thank you. You're very welcome. Yeah. Tell the audience a little bit about your current role, and then we'll move on to talk about the future list. Sure. Yeah. So my current role at Quantum, so Quantum is this uh, human insight and strategy firm. We do a lot of different frameworks and deliver a lot of different client projects. But basically, in essence, what we do is we look at a business problem through a human science lens. So anything and everything from psychology, ethnography, culture, semiotics, linguistics. So client comes to us with this really tough problem that they can't solve, but we apply that thinking through human science. And when I come to quantum, it was about two years ago. My background is in trends. Uh, So I came from trend watching. And so my lens was pretty much consumer trends, consumer insights. And I back then had not been really exposed to this like diversity of toolkit that's around human science. So I think the past two years has been really about learning a lot of these for me, but also at the same time, bringing my lens to the table. So then I've just been working on building a trend product, trying to merge trend with whatever else that we're doing at Quantum. Yeah, so that's about it. So that's fascinating that you mentioned sort of the toolbox, right? Talk to me a little bit about that. What does that mean? What's in that toolbox? In Quantum's toolbox, you mean? Yeah, just for the trend work in general. The trend specifically. Yeah, like what are the tools in that toolbox? Yeah, so typically when we look at trends, I mean, there's so many different ways to like define trends, right? Trends can come in all shape and size, can be very big or very small, can be very macro. When you talk about trends, it can be like just industry trends or flavor trends, ingredient trends, it can be anything. But the way we define consumer trend is that it's a new manifestation of a fundamental human need, want, or desire. Or simply put, the other way around is that trends emerge when innovators address people's needs in a new way. And so when we look at trends, we basically look at okay, yes, the world is changing all the time on the one hand, and the change is so fast, it's everything is just accelerating. But yet, sometimes what we forget is that on the other hand, people's need don't change at all. So then we dig deeper to all of these changes and try to make sense, like, what about our fundamental needs, like connection, belonging, our needs for security, that's underlying this change. And then when we 
kind of see that tension. Like, how do we resolve this thing where basically how do we express our needs in a new way, given this different changes that's happening, then we look to innovations because innovation sort of resolve that tension and then it creates new expectations. So then when we view trends, we'll look at drivers of change, we'll look at human basic needs, and then we'll look at innovations. And then we sort of analyze all these things, cluster them, and then that's how basically a trend is born. So that's basically what's in the toolkit. So you started in your current role right in the middle of the pandemic. So consumer changes happening in that time is probably an understatement. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Everything was just in flux. (laughs) Everything was changing big time. Yeah. Well, we're so excited that you're on the future list and some of the work that you're doing, I think, will be highly, highly important to our audience when we can get you on an IAX stage to talk about it. But first of all, let me pause and say congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, I want to know kind of what does it mean for you personally that that honor has been kind of given to you, but that you've also earned? What has that done for you kind of personally? Yeah, I think when I received it, I was really surprised because like I just didn't expect it at all. It was when I submitted it, I didn't really think much about it. It was more like an internal push that, you know, someone in our company just said, just submit name and, and write something about you. And then I kind of forget about it. But I think once I get it, it's really, I think one specific thing is that it really gives me the confidence that I needed to like pursue trends further, especially. I think both internally at Quantum, but also externally for the wider industry. So I spent five years at Trend Watching, and then back then it was all like trends, trends, trends. And I was just out there giving keynotes, giving workshops. But then when I moved to Quantum, then I realized how much I don't know. You don't know what you don't know kind of thing, right? And then when I went to Quantum, I was just exposed to many people in the industry who are so advanced in their career. They know so much. And then I felt like, oh, actually, I have very little (laughs) to bring. I was still very young. I still am. So then I I felt kind of like, okay, I think this is my time for me to pause and to just learn first. So I think that that was my focus for the past two years, just like learning as much as I can. But then once I get the recognition, I was like, ah, okay, I think maybe it's like a shift that I need to start having to just have that balance a little bit more. Like I can still learn, but also still put myself out there more. Yeah. I think learning is something that we hear from other honorees as well, that the idea that they are continually trying to learn and to push themselves to explore new territories. That is a theme among a lot of the other honorees in previous years and also the current year. What would you say would be some of the other skills that either you bring to the field of trend watching or that you know others in the industry have? Every you know researcher might have a unique skill set, but trend watching is something different. So what do people who do what you do lean into? Oh, that's a good question. I think with trend watching, it's not just about primary research or secondary research or ethnography. It's like it's not very defined, you know. And so I kind of find it a little bit hard to slot myself into this like maybe more well-defined discipline. And then when I see the, the trend watching community, I think these are people who are just basically inherently curious. They're very observant as well. They just look at so many different things, different data points that maybe just don't really make sense, but then they come, they sit down, they talk to one another and then just connect the dots together. So I think it's really about, yeah, like curiosity, being observant, being proactive to just meet different people 
and then be a generalist as well that are able to kind of think laterally and, and connect the dots. And I think, especially as, as we move forward, I feel like the world is going to be just more chaotic and messy that you need this kind of people who are able to see from like different disciplines and just connect things out. Yeah. And it's really about asking yourself like what ifs, what's next, what might be uh, happening in the future. It's sort of almost like a, I won't call myself like a futurist, but some people in, in the trend watching community do think of themselves as like a futurist that have that kind of edge to see what's the adjacent possible. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because a lot of those questions you just brought up in that what if space is very much aligned with kind of creative thinking and what the possibilities are, which is a little different from prediction and some futurists who are all about predicting the future. You've mentioned that part of your work involves opportunity identification, right? Identifying where the opportunities might be. How might somebody who does do trend work decide what is a passing trend versus what is a true business opportunity. How does that work? Yeah. Okay. So I think it's worth mentioning that, you know, some people think of a trend as a fad actually, but like a fad does come and go very quickly. Like TikTok is maybe a fad just for this generation, but what is the real trend behind it? Fad are fast moving, but trends are kind of slower. I like to think of it also more like there's fast trend, there's there's slow trend, fast culture versus slow culture. And then the fast one is what you're observing. It's so easy to see. But then underneath it, there are like slower currents, uh, the more kind of cultural observations that's driving the, the actual thing that's happening. And so I think the key to trend analysis is to not just report, it's not just about telling people here's what's happening, but why is it happening in the specific context of the region? So I think that's also what we've been trying to crack at quantum as well, like this framework of how we can see trends that are culturally grounded. Because when a lot of trend observations are very Western-centric, they come from the West, uh, from the US or from Europe. And then when you bring it over to Asia, it becomes overly generalized, like, oh, it's just more personalization, more connection, more AI and stuff. But how do you really make it work in Asia without understanding the cultural context and history that it won't work? So then I think when we try to identify opportunity and whether this is really one that can resonate with consumers versus one that is just passing, we need to kind of ground the trends in cultural truth of that region. So that it's my work now, it's more about trying to marry trends, what I know, what I've learned from trend watching with the more cultural point of view. Yeah. And I should have said to our listeners that Nia is located in Singapore and it is 12 hours away from me here on the East Coast of the US. And I think that what's interesting is when you talk about culture-based trend work and culture-based trend frameworks, it makes me wonder whether you are studying only kind of the Asian culture or whether you are studying global cultures in some of the work that you're doing. Yeah. So I think for now, our focus is pretty much Asia. So Quantum is a global company. We do have an office. Our European pres- I mean, Western presence is in London for now, but we were born from Asia. So we're from Asia for Asia. The company started 30 plus years ago in India. And then from there, we branch out to Southeast Asia, to China, to now we have an office in Dubai. But I think what we really offer to our global clients is this very strong perspective and deep 
thinking on culture in Asia. So for now, I think Asia is our focus. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I've been curious about that. You know, one of the things that we talked about in advance and we're planning to talk to you a little bit about tonight was some of the frameworks that you are using for your trend work. I know that you have, for instance, you know, a purpose or a sustainability framework, and you have this culture-based trend framework. And I wanted to take a step back and ask you about frameworks in general. What is your kind of working definition of a framework and why are those important in the work that you're doing? Yeah, I think when we talk about frameworks, why is it important? It's because with trends, sometimes you just get so lost in all the things that you're seeing and then you're just like, okay, so why is this interesting? Why is this important for businesses? And so then framework really helps to sort of anchor our thinking. And then you always go back to the framework to ask yourself the same questions for everything that you see. And then that's where you are able to sort of connect the dots. So again, so as I said, like the framework is look at the drivers of change. It could be shifts or triggers, long-term, short-term, and think about the macro forces like the steep framework. And then you look at the innovations that you're seeing, you look at basic human needs, and then you ask yourself, what gives rise to this innovation? Why is this innovation possible now and not in the past? What has changed, whether in the economy, maybe there's a rise in middle class, maybe from a sustainability point of view, maybe people are now more willing to pay higher for something that aligns with their values and that's different from the past. And then ask ourselves about the basic needs, like, is this because people want to have that sense of empowerment or to create positive impact? Or is it more about showing off their status, for example? So like, if we look at a lot of the trends around sustainability in the West, it's more that, okay, people are People have moved on, uh, are more self-actualized, so it's more about creating a positive impact. But in Asia, pretty much when you want to deliver something that's around sustainability, it's still anchored around the need for status, actually. And that's something that uh, a lot of Western brands don't recognize. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. And I love how tuned in you are to the current culture that you're studying, but also in the context, because many of our listeners are kind of in the US-based and in Europe. And I think it's helpful for us to understand that it is not universally the same for everybody. The the same missions and directives have different meaning in our lives. So cool stuff. One of the questions I have for you is if you have uncovered any trends that have been particularly surprising or that kind of stopped you and you're like, oh, this is really interesting without giving away anything proprietary, of course, but is there anything kind of, you know, like cool that you can share with us that you've learned? Yeah, so I think I have this one trend. It's it's not very new, but now I think we're seeing the reemergence of it. But I remember so clearly, like back then when we first sort of saw this innovation and then thought, I think this could lead to something. And then I presented it. So this trend, okay, basically it's called virtual companion. And it's about our deepest need for connection and how we're sort of seeking to satisfy this through AI and voice-led assistance. It was, I think, back in 2017 or 2018. And then I gave this example from Japan that that there's this virtual assistant that kind of acts like your girlfriend that just checks in on you every time when you're going to work. Like, like it will say, goodbye, I'll see you again. It's like, you know, this very cute and like anime-like character. And I presented it in Germany and everyone was just like so shocked. Like, this is so creepy. This is so dystopian. Like, this can't be like a trend. Like, this is not happening. But actually, 
now we see like more and more application and, and how a voice-led AI assistant is, is taking off. And if we zoom deeper, it actually really speaks to our need for connection. And you know, the loneliness economy is, is quite big in many parts of Asia. And I think, yes, that particular example was creepy and a little bit dystopian, but I think it. I really just use that example as a, to bring that shock value to really remind us like, you know, this is can, this thing can happen, but as an innovator, how can you make this positive, you know, and how can you apply this maybe in your region uh, differently? Yes, that was, that was quite interesting. Yeah, well, and it doesn't surprise me at all. So first of all, you know, you think about it, you were a few years ahead of some of the generative AI platforms right now where you can actually have this interaction with the machines that have learned how to have these very natural and organic conversations. But it also is reminding me of, you know, every now and then one of my children, as I mentioned, I have, you know, young adult children who, you know, have virtual pets and they every now and then are like, oh, you know, hold on, I have to take care of my cats. And I'm like, what cats are you talking about? Because you're not even home. And they're, you know, taking care of their virtual pets and they have this life that doesn't really exist, but does exist in a virtual reality. So so it doesn't surprise me at all. It's interesting that you were ahead of that trend. So kudos to you. <laughs> yeah, actually speaking of virtual pet, there's like a few innovations where, you know, this virtual pet is being introduced in hospitals. And it's really wonderful because when kids go to the hospital, they actually feel scared. They, they don't like the environment. And then the hospital's provided to give them like comfort and warmth. So that's like some application that you know could work yeah that's really cool and yes like we might be moving into a time with digital therapy dogs which you know may be hard to get your head around but also then maybe not at all based on the way things have been playing out in our world you know you mentioned earlier in this conversation you mentioned kind of other trend watchers and people who are in your community and i know that there is a community of people doing the work that you do so what is it you kind of gain from having that network? What are some of the benefits of joining other people who do what you do in this kind of thinking? Yeah, I think with trend watching, especially community is really important because it's not like an isolated field and you're you're always biased, right? You come from a particular background, culture, history, and then that's the lens that you use to sort of analyze trends. And so to help you remove that bias a little bit and to also really see if this trend is happening elsewhere, how is this manifesting elsewhere, you really need that perspective. And so with the community, it's almost like we crowdsource this collective intelligence. And then we ask our community, hey, do you see something like this happening in Africa, in South America, in this remote parts in Indonesia? And then you sort of try to see, oh yeah, so indeed this trend is is really happening but the nuances of it also becomes enriched uh, like oh things looks differently in different markets and so i think without the community then the trend that we present will be very bland will be very one-sided yeah that's really neat and it sounds to me you know i had mentioned i brought my own bias into this i had mentioned like can you share something that's not proprietary it almost sounds like some of the work that you're doing is not proprietary it can be kind of shared with peers that are doing the same sort of work with you? How do you find that balance of what you can't talk about and what you want to talk about? Yeah, that's a very interesting question. Actually, with trend watching, our stand is always just share more, (laughs) share everything. And that's how we even build our own trend thinking. And actually, 
within the trend community, I mean, everybody write trend reports, right? And then there's this one guy who kind of consolidate all the trend reports from different trend companies and then create like a meta trends. And then you just see the different trend names. And I think it's, yeah, the community itself is just very open to sharing one to one another and building on top of each other's work. But at Quantum, so back at Trend Watching, we do a lot of these trend reports that's free and accessible for people. But at Quantum, now the focus is more to advise specific clients on trends that will work for their particular business, for their particular context. And so this works then becomes a little bit more proprietary and we don't really freely share it with. Yeah. What's the interplay between the different departments then and an organization you might be helping? You know, are you operating within the innovation departments or the R&D departments? Are you operating with the consumer insights teams? How does that work? Who are your people internally? And, and what's that sort of cross-functional collaboration if there is any? Yeah, so at Quantum, we primarily work with consumer insights people. And so with trends, now we're trying to break that and shift that more into uh, innovation team. And then it can even be more so... Back at trend watching, uh, when we do trends work, I mean, trends are very versatile. It can be applied to anyone and everyone as long as you're able to sort of go deeper and tease out what's like the principles behind the trend. And so we've worked with just the randomest people, like a group of doctors in a hospital, for example, because the management wants them to sort of break a little bit out of their routine and see what's happening out there in terms of technology that potentially might in the future, apply to health tech. Then I've spoken to librarians across uh, APAC as well to see how people think differently right now and how that might impact the way they consume content. I've spoken to real estate people. And then sometimes in in terms of function, there's the digital transformation team uh, for like a telco company. There's HR who wants to know how Gen Z and millennials are changing in, the, in terms of uh, the, how they're thinking and how that can translate to HR policies. So yeah, I feel like trends are very diverse and that's what I'm trying to sort of bring back to Quantum. But I mean, it's a different kind of organization as well, right? Because at Quantum, we work with more like bigger projects that are more focused on insights versus trend watching, which is a company that's smaller and it's more about just keynotes and speaking to a wide audience. So there's that um, differences. What um of all of those different sort of categories that you operate in, do you have a favorite? Like, is there a space where you really like to apply this thinking? Oh, it's hard to say because I think the exciting part is that you're able to apply to just so many different fields. And then when you get a, a project, then you're sort of thinking, oh, okay, so how does the, like, what's the worldview of this field? How do they perceive things, view things? And then you sort of apply trend and try to fit into this field. So I think it's the diversity that I enjoy. Yeah, cool. You know, back to being on the future list and the whole idea that, you know, at Green Book, we're all about the future of insights, right? So we are constantly not trying to be futurists, although many of the speakers that we feature do some predictive analytics and they do have some tools in their toolboxes that allows them to imagine what if, what might happen and what is coming and help people make those types of predictions. So I'm wondering what you think the future of this sort of trend work is. How do you imagine it might be playing out in the future? Do you see the industry changing or the industry evolving? What do you think? I think, so there can be many different trajectories. I think one of it is that as more and more 
Asia, especially, we're seeing like this rise of tier two, tier three consumers and more just diverse people coming into the consuming class. One angle uh, when we look to the future could be that research and, and trend analysis will the weight of it will focus much more on diverse group of people. So it's not just about talking about this one consumers, like consumers will now want to blah, 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 but it's more about this specific consumers, that specific consumers, the people who are more marginalized. I think that's one angle in demand for the future. Also, I think as we look at the rise of just different technologies and how you now can just basically write a report out of chat GPT, right? I think with that, then the cultural nuances, I think like human lens applied to all this different technology that helps us to predict and analyze numbers that will even be more important because then data will just be so commoditized. Everybody has access to it. You can easily look at the numbers, but what does the numbers mean? You will need people to really apply that thinking and lens to sense make. I think it's going to be more like, yes, data will be more important and more prevalent, but because of that, sense-making skills, the human lens will be just equally important. Yeah. Well, we certainly talk a lot about ChatGPT, don't we? I mean, (laughs) so we are talking about it here in our work. We're talking about it in our social media. You know, we're talking about it in content circles and we're talking about it in research circles. So I'm a little bit curious about any trends that you've identified around kind of, you know, machine learning and that artificial intelligence, anything that's coming down the pike for us that we should just say, well, here's where we're headed with that. (laughs) Totally putting you on the spot with that. That was not in our brief friends, but opportunistically, I'm curious. What's next with ChatGPT? Oh, it's really hard to say. I mean, we've already seen examples of it and how it's being used by just different professionals, students to write things. And I don't know, man, it's, I'm also curious (laughs) to see how it's going to play out. Like, are we going to lose our jobs? (laughs) Right. Tap your network. Let's put that out there into that network of other future thinking folks. So let me ask you this. When you do have a question or when you do seek advice, do you have sort of a mentor in this space? Do you have somebody that you really look to, whether it's an author or an educator, somebody you would turn to that's been formative in your career? What's your source? Yeah, yeah. There's so many inspiring people around the trend watching field, but I think a couple people that I would mention would be Rainier. So he's the founder of trend watching and he's really this very like optimistic guy that looks at everything as opportunity. And so I think it's just the way that it's just his personality and the way he views the world that makes it it's kind of translate into the DNA of the company that when we spot trends, it's all about spotting new opportunities for businesses. I also look up to my ex-colleagues at, at Trend Watching who now have gone to do like just different things. So there's Henry Mason, uh, Max Luthi, Delia, and David Matin, and they're all like the author of the Trend Driven Innovation book, which where the original thinking and the framework that I use for trend watching comes from. And now they, I mean, some of them have become innovators themselves and, and run their own startups. And then some of them continue to write uh, and publish other books, other thinking. So yeah, these people are uh, the ones I look up to. And just even to back when I was still at trend watching, if I see something in Asia and then I can't really make out, like, does this mean anything? Is this interesting? What do you think is the direction going forward? I would just come to them and ask them for advice. So that's kind of in my trend watching world. But now at Quantum, I really look up to uh, my boss, Rekha. And I think 
she really challenges me like on a lot of the things that I know about trends and sort of try to help me marry it with other disciplines that we have in quantum as well. Like she would ask difficult things like, why is this valid? Why is this not just a passing fad? Like how would you think about this in this kind of culture with this group of consumers, with this kind of beliefs? So then that really kind of shakes a lot of the things that I thought I already knew, but helped me push me in, in a new direction. Yeah. I love that you have a manager that does that for you. To me, you know, whenever I've worked with people that also challenge my thinking, that's something that I appreciate and respect too. So I love that. You know, one of the things we haven't talked about yet is that you're also, and or you have been a guest lecturer at university yourself. So talk to me a little bit about that. What kind of guest lecturing you've done? Because you will be inspiring the next generation of people who do this work. So tell us what you've done in terms of wearing that hat. And then we can talk a little bit about what they're learning from you. Yeah. So I think for me, like it wasn't really part of my job scope or anything, but I just always love like the education space. I think it's like something personal for me. So I was, I'm originally from Indonesia, but then I moved to Singapore when I was 15 years old because I uh, received like a government scholarship program and it just like really changed my life forever. And I was like, yeah, just really grateful for for the opportunity, you know. And so I thought I didn't want to actually have a career in consumer insights. It wasn't something that I thought of. I thought I would venture into something more education related. So I'm digressing a little bit, but I'll get there. But yeah, so basically I started out in an ed tech startup. They do a lot um, around uh, 21st century learning. And so when I was there, my role, because it's a very early pre-seed round, so when I was there, I did all their marketing, including user acquisition, and that's where I got exposed to the field. So I did a lot of like home immersions, trying to understand how parents interact with kids. And so it was like ethnography before I kind of know what it was uh, and know the field. And so I think that that was the starting point. And so when I was at Trend Watching, just being exposed to all these different trends that's so interesting I thought maybe I would always just try to find ways to be connected to that other areas of interest that I have and so I contacted like my old professors in different universities and then through different friends and just try to speak in the different marketing classes social science classes about trends so then my work would just be come there talk about what trend watching is all about share a few trends that would really inspire them and for these students i mean like all other professionals right you have things that you need to do day to day so you don't really look out to what's happening out there so the world of trends is just always so like fascinating for them that really inspire them to like see oh yeah i mean even if i go to market research to even like product innovation product design there's this small field around trend watching it's more a way of thinking that I can adopt and use uh, no matter what profession I, I go into. Yeah, that's great. So, you know, I was going to ask what advice would you give some of these students today, but it sounds like the advice is consider this particular, you know, subcategory in the industry. You know, do they ever ask you how you got started or do they ever ask you kind of where they can learn more? Yeah, yeah. They will ask these questions. And then I would just point them to the different books. Trend-Driven Innovation is one. I think there's a lot more that's about trends. That, like, I think the Future Laboratory also has a guidebook on trend watching. Yeah, so many different. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we can certainly connect with you, make sure we get that information in the show notes too. So our listeners who are curious about trend work know kind of a book that you've referred to. Natalie will take care of that, our producer. So 
what's next for you? Like, if you think about, you know, everything you've done so far, obviously, you know, there will be a speaking spot at an IAEX event in your future, but either some exciting projects that you're working on or initiatives that are coming down. What's next for you? Yeah, this is a very difficult question at this point, because <laughs> as I said before, what's next for me is motherhood. And so my mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad you went there because I, I'm sitting here thinking like, I would love to talk about the next phase of her life, but it is highly personal. <laughs> so, um, Sonia, thank you for sharing that. I love that you're having a child. It's also going to broaden your world in terms of trends because you will be suddenly paying attention to parenting trends and trends in motherhood, and then you'll be watching your child's trends. So chances are it'll, it'll blow your career right out of the water. <laughs> yeah. So I think like, it's a little hard for me to think of what's next because I know things will just change like majorly. So right now for me, it's like, yay, I got this green book award and now I'm going on maternity and then let's see what comes <laughs> after that. But I'm definitely like with this award, especially like interested to like push trends further. And then with that new lens that I have of being a mother, exposing myself to just this new world, like you said, from like a different point of view, I'm keen to really push out these culturally grounded trends that we've been working at, at Quantum as well. And to just really marry these two worlds of trends and culture and how to fit that in a agile way, because trends work is quite fast, quite agile, whereas culture work is deep and yeah, it's just very deep insights can be slower. So how do you combine this and productize it into something that's that fit to what our clients would need and would be willing to pay? So that's still something in the works, uh, which I'll continue after maternity. <laughs> Yeah. And again, that's an example of why you are on this list. It's because your brain is going to be, you know, trying to carve a new way through this industry and coming back to it. You know, after you've made this transition, recognizing that you won't stop being who you are and, and learning and growing. So it's going to be fun to pay attention to you as you move on. And I can't wait to hear all about the baby once they arrive. So what do you wish, Nia, I had asked you that I didn't have a chance to ask you? I don't know. I think you've asked me a lot. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. Some that you knew was coming, some that you didn't know was coming. So, all right. Well, uh, you know, for the sake of time, I will say, tell us a little bit about how our listeners can find you if they want to connect with you and ask you some more questions. How can they reach you? LinkedIn. LinkedIn's the best. Okay. All right. Well, we will include that link as well in the show notes. It has been such a pleasure. I love hearing about the work that you're doing and I love hearing about how you do it. It's uh, certainly something that has always intrigued me. So I really appreciate you being here today. Thank you. It's been, it's been a nice conversation. Thanks a lot. You're very welcome. I also want to thank our listeners. Without you, we would not be here doing this. So we appreciate you giving us your time every week. Natalie Push, our producer, I want to say thank you to you. I also think that this would be a lot harder without you. So I'm grateful. Our audio editor, James Carlisle, thank you so much for the work that you do. And once again, thank you to the Green Book podcast listeners. Until next time, take care.
Join Greenbook for the 2024 Insight Innovation Exchange. This global conference series, also known as IIEX, is where connections are made, inspiration is found, and innovative solutions are discovered. With more than 90% of attendees using IIEX Insights to shape strategic business decisions, the return on investment is undeniable. Whether you're in Asia-Pacific, North America, Europe, or Latin America, IIEX is your gateway to the latest market research best practices, tech innovation, and strategies for transporting insights into action. Nurture your career and business with insights from across the globe. And here's a bonus. Use the special code PODCAST to save 20% on general admission for all IIEX events. Visit greenbook.org events today to learn more and register. See you there.